for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome to the podcast, In and Through exists to equip the church to be hearers and doers of the word. My name is Tim. And my name is Marshall. So we started this podcast in 2020. It sounds right. The yeah. very beginning of 2020. Yeah. And we began as uh, the first year. We're just, it's a different theme every year. Yep. First year was through the Bible in a year. Uh, second year was theology. We used the New City Catechism. Mm-hmm. This year, we're doing church history. Mm-hmm. Next year, we're doing apologetics. Yeah. Uh, we're going to take a break from church history today. That's that's fair, actually, to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although it is going to be history. It is. And it's going to talk about a people who would call themselves the church. Yes. Right. We're going we're gonna to take a bit of a break for just a little bit and talk about cults. Mm-hmm. that form in the name of the church. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, because w- with this episode and the following one, um, we're going to be talking about these groups of people who develop uh, very distinct theologies and practices mm-hmm. that are uh, not necessarily Christian, but Christian-adjacent, Yeah, maybe. They would, they would use our similar Bibles. Sure. They will call themselves... Followers of Christ, sure. Um, and, and so here's what I want to do, just to be careful from the outset. Mm. Uh, I, I want to point out that in some of these instances, these people would say the same about themselves, mm. right? It, it is a different thing. Yeah. Uh, when we say followers of Christ and, and people who have odd theology, we're not talking about the sort of differences of theology that we've been talking about from the beginning of this, right? No. We're not talking like denominational differences. Yeah. Right. And and in fact, you have to go all the way back to like the second century Gnostics to get stuff that's as wacky as what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah, Between I, then and now, the, the differences are minor compared to what we're going to talk about today. I agree. And so I would say the question of, of orthodoxy to state, are you a Christian? And I would say for for most every group we've talked about to this point, there are those within the group that would say yes to these questions, but not in the groups we're going to talk about for the next two weeks. No, no. First question is, are you saved by the grace of Christ on the cross mm. and faith in him? Mm-hmm. That's that's the preeminent question, mm-hmm. right? If you can't say yes to that, mm-hmm. then everything else starts coming apart really quickly. Yeah. Right? Yep. I think the other question, or another question, is in regards to the person of Christ. Who is mm-hmm. he? Is right? he the Son of God? Right. Is he the Son of God? Right. Is mm-hmm. he both divine and human? Right. Um, right. In a Trinitarian manner. In a Trinitarian way, as we've kind mm-hmm. of unpacked. Yeah. That's another essential. You don't have that one right. You're not a Christian. Right. Um, get any others? I mean, those no. are two, just two big ones. Those, yeah, those are. And, and the reason I, I would want to just leave it there is because that's big enough to say, <clears throat> if you don't if you don't stand under that umbrella, I mean, that's a big umbrella. That's a really big umbrella. <laughs> and if you, if you don't stand under that umbrella, you're just getting wet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. So before we get into this 
this in our episode today. And, and I just want to preface this. If it sounds like, you know, I'm being overly critical or making fun of this group, it's because I am. Um, because I think it is not the people themselves, but the system of belief mm-hmm. is ridiculous and atrocious and offensive to God. And, and when things are wrong, that's one thing. But when wrong is done and you slap Jesus's name on it, that just gets me burning up inside. Yeah, I I think, I mean, I, I might stop short of making fun. I won't. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, well, <laughs> just, that's, that's a different privilege we'll between there. the senior pastor that's and right. the associate. Yeah, there's, there's my, I got a little more elbow you, room. You still have the wiggle room of youth guy. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, I, I, I would say... All, when people, so one of the reasons we wanted to do a history podcast is because people like to come at Christianity and be like, "Oh, you don't even know where it comes from," and and you just believe all these things you've told, and you've never done any kind of background check on them, and you, it, it's all clueless, and you've never looked into it, and that's why you believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. And we've done this history podcast as a means of fortifying the faith of the church to say these things have been done and mm-hmm. are constantly being done around the world over 2000 years hmm. all all of those criticisms are rightly applied here yeah yes <laughs> yes <laughs> and and the work has been done but has not produced fruit yeah no it's true yeah and so that is that is a a vast difference so yeah. Give us your historical things, and we'll get into it. Okay, so the timeline has not moved dramatically, but I, you know, I like to throw these in. We like to throw some some stuff in just to give us points of reference. Uh, Eighteen thirteen, Jane Austen publishes *Pride and Prejudice*. Great shout. Uh, Eighteen twenty one to eighteen thirty uh, is the Greek War of Independence. Uh, so Greece, as we know it, did not exist until they won their freedom from the Ottoman Empire. And that's that's pretty recent. Um, those Ottomans who burned down Constantinople are kind of, they're, they're just losing territory left, right, and center. Uh, 1826, the internal combustion engine is patented, uh, which was earlier than I, than I thought it would be. Um, 1829, we have the Metropolitan Police Force uh, of London in England. Um, it's established as kind of the first modern police force as we as we understand it mm-hmm. um 1842 anesthesia is used for the first time so before then going under the knife was a lot more painful than it is now uh 1859 charles darwin publishes the origin of species nice okay yeah so today's interesting controversial oddball not really church history topic is uh a covering covering of the group known today as the church of jesus christ latter-day saints or just the mormons the mormons Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so despite the name church of jesus christ latter-day saints um these are not christians and so i think that's something to just kind of get out of the way but we need to talk about how this came to be. I think we got to talk about Joseph Smith. 
Yeah. Must begin with, with young Joseph Smith. The beginning of the beginning. The beginning of the beginning, yes. So Joseph Smith was one of 11 children in the family. He was born in Vermont in 1805. And his father was a farmer who hit tough times, and they moved to western New York when he was still a boy. And this, you know, Joseph Smith is growing up during the fervor of the Second Great Awakening, which we right. talked about recently. So he's exposed to a variety of all these eccentric preachers and revivalists, different denominations throughout his formative years. His family participated in some of these events. Um, they also got into some weird stuff. The Smith family was kind of known for engaging in something known as religious folk magic. So it was Christian kind of, but they would like draw magic circles. There was soothsaying. There was communing with angelic beings. Mm -hmm. So this is like the kind of environment he's growing up in. Yeah, this is uh, a few weeks back. We were talking about uh, Baptists in America Mm. and... I made a statement about the Baptist autonomy, particularly American Baptist autonomy amongst the churches, being the way things ought to be. Mm-hmm. And you smiled and was like, yeah, it's also a recipe for some really crazy stuff that's going to take place in America. Yeah. Uh, these kinds of cults, these major, major groups, mm-hmm. really only spring from the states <laughs> they do they do it's and the- and a, as a part of that autonomy of the culture of everyone has the right to read and interpret scripture for themselves mm. as the holy spirit leads them right right uh the problem with that is that it's not always the holy spirit leading them right right yeah yeah it's this is like the other side of the coin when it comes to religious liberty we're, yeah. we're all for religious liberty but you just gotta it, it's it's good sometimes and then sometimes you get Mormonism. I, I, I think I think this is even in a biblical statement. Uh in First Corinthians chapter one, Paul's talking about, you know, the Jews want, you know, a sign. Yeah. The Greeks want wisdom. Mm-hmm. I, I think this falls into that the Jews wanting a sign kind of category. Not that he's Jewish or anything like that, but mm-hmm. that there are those people who long for religiosity right. and experience mm-hmm. inside of their faith. Right. Yeah. And if you're not getting those mystical experiences, how can how can this thing even be true? Right. Right. So they they long for that and they search for it in some really dangerous places mm-hmm. uh, and and count every crazy happening to be the movement of the Holy Spirit rather than testing the spirits right. as we're we're going to taught see. to do by Paul. Yeah. So at the age of fifteen, he claims that he had a vision where both God and Jesus appear to him, telling him, "Joseph, you're forgiven of your sins." And all these other churches that are existing around you, um, they're all false. Yep. None of them are true. None of them got it right. Uh, but don't worry. Anytime, anytime someone says, everyone but me is wrong, those are red flags. Yeah. Yeah. That's the reddest of red flags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, there's, oh, and now I'm going to, I'm going to misquote it, but. Oh, I think it was Michael Haken in, in one of his books. He was being kind of recognized for how good it was. And was it Michael Haken? No, maybe it was Stan Fowler. In any case, what, what, they, what they said was, um, you know, I, I pride myself on not bringing anything novel into 
this uh, explanation of theology. It must have been mm-hmm. St. Fowler, right? Like, I don't bring anything new, right? When people bring stuff that's completely curveball, completely out of left field, completely different, that should be a red flag. Something that yeah. is not connected to anything before. So you want You want to know what I believe to be the nearest example, uh, the, the nearest kin to what Joseph Smith does in this notion that everyone around me is wrong. I was told in a vision by God, everyone around me is wrong. Mm. And God is going to use me to set the record straight, even so much as writing scripture in order to set the record straight. It's Islam. It's Islam. Yeah. I thought the same thing as I was. Yeah, yeah. this is this is exactly what Muhammad does mm-hmm. with the Old and New Testament in the year six hundred. Yeah, yeah. So he has a visit from an angel named Moroni, who told him that there's a place where he could find this buried book made up of golden plates and other ancient artifacts like the seer stone and the umim and thurim from the Old Testament. And as it turns out, hey, they're all located in a hillside, not far from his home in Western New York. Right. It's worth it's worth noticing patterns. Right. Biblical patterns. God can do anything that he wants to do. He is God. Yeah. He is sovereign. Mm-hmm. He is the immutable. Right. No one is going to silence him or stop him. Mm. Yet God chooses to work in very specific ways. In ways that are recognizable and ways that are um, repeated throughout the scriptures. Never once does God use something as ornate as golden tablets. Right. That Even, the, that the yeah. tablets are golden in and of themselves mm-hmm. is a pause. It's a red flag. Yeah. That we have specific stones and, and the mystical elements for interpreting never shows up. There's no biblical precedent for this. Yeah. yeah. Right? It is always common means. Right? God speaks to an individual, and they write it down. It it never has this mystical kind of notion thing. The only the only example, the exception to that that I would say might be the hand on the wall in Daniel. Oh, okay. Right, yeah. the writing on the wall thing. Uh, but I think that's intended to stand out away from everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but these the patterns. The method by which these things come about in and of themselves are red flags. I, we're going to find numbers, mm-hmm. right? They're pretty basic Bible numbers, 3, 7, 12. Right. I think there are 11 people at the oh, beginning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's three and then eight for the win. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah so, so Joseph's trying to retrieve these plates, but the angel who told him where they are initially won't let him get them for, for years for some reason. Yeah. And in the meantime, he works as a treasure seeker. So what he would claim to do is he claimed to be able to find lost items supernaturally, which is also interesting when you compare that with accounts from people who grew up around the Smith family that accuse them of being like notorious thieves. Mm-hmm. So, so being a thief and being someone who finds lots of things. Anyways, I'm not. He was criminally charged. At, yeah, these are these are doc, right. These are documented yes, things. Yes. Right. This is this is not a hearsay. This is no. not folklore. We're talking like government documents. He was arrested. <laughs> for doing these things yeah for sure yeah so eventually the the angel moroni allows him to get plates from and people you're not going to see any of the air quotes that i'm going to be using as i recount these details but please know that everything is heavily air quoted here um he's allowed to get these plates from the hill but he's told that he can't show them to anyone else 
but he should translate them and write down the meaning. And he claimed that these plates were written by indigenous Americans who were technically of Middle Eastern origin in a language called Reformed Egyptian. Reformed Egyptian. A fancy-sounding language that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Um, So after moving again to Pennsylvania, he starts translating the plates with the help of these reading crystals and the seer stone. I mean, just listen to this stuff. This is sci-fi. Accounts include that he dictated part of the Book of Mormon to his wife and then to a colleague, Martin Harris, while he was looking into a hat. He didn't even have the plates with him. He just had the stones, and he put them into a hat, and he put his face in the hat and just started saying whatever. Right. He would just start reading out of his hat, Mm -hmm. and his buddy wrote everything down. Yeah. Right? Which is exactly what Muhammad did, right? Essentially, He would He would just start talking, and his uncle wrote it all down. Right, right. Yeah, right. and it's based on these, and all that was triggered by this visit from an angel, right? Right, who said, "I have you know s- special revelation for you." Um, yeah, and, and 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 also similarly, as they're going through this, they will eventually, because they're not actually working from anything, they eventually contradict themselves. Yeah, at which point they both employ the doctrine of whatever is said la- later <laughs> is what is more true than what was said previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, he, he continues his work, and there's there's all these bumps in, in, in the journey, and the initial documents are lost, apparently. Um, and so he's punished for that, but then he gets the plates back again. And, and they complete this, complete this translation work in 1829. And even though he was told he shouldn't show the plates to anybody, he, sh- he shows them to three people. And then he shows them to eight more. Right. And these people, if you read a bo- open a Book of Mormon, you'll have this account of the witnesses, the statement that they signed. Here's the thing to know about the three witnesses and then the eight witnesses. Of the three, Joseph Smith ends up excommunicating all of them mm-hmm. from the Mormon church later on. And of the eight, uh, virtually all of them are his relatives. Right. Who are now, you know, at the center of this growing movement. Um, so just, just, uh, and, and also some of them like would later on, you know, they signed this thing saying they saw the plates and then like later on would say, well, I saw them, I did see them, but I saw them in a vision or an angel showed them to me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so here's the thing about, okay. So here's the thing about the book of Mormon. It was published in 1830 and that is when, when Joseph Smith establishes the church of Christ. So the book of Mormon is published. They established this thing called the Church of Christ, so it's not got its big, longer, fancy name now. And there's a there's a lot of issues. <laughs> Obviously, um, when when people when when Christians uh, living around them find out what these people are teaching, uh, they're not down with it, and so there's like mob violence. Um, and then some of Joseph Smith start claiming to receive visions as well. Um, which is a problem for him. Mm-hmm. So then he speaks a new revelation that said that he was the true prophet and apostle and the only one who could receive and deliver scripture to the church. Yep. <laughs> That's always a helpful, yeah. helpful thing. <laughs> right. Which is, which is also going to end up being what, uh, Miss White does with the seventh day Adventists. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just me, just yep. me folks. I'm the one. Yeah. So, Eventually, people start converting to this new religion, believing that that Joseph Smith was going to usher in 
the millennial kingdom, that he was the the prophet spoken of in the book of Revelation. He was going to bring in this this wonderful thing. And and so they're looking to reestablish this millennial kingdom. And at one point, Smith pronounced that Jackson County, Missouri was in fact the New Jerusalem and also the location of the original Garden of Eden. So if you live in Jackson County, Missouri, good for you. Yeah, that's I I I I've never been. I mean, it must be a pretty place. Me, I would think. I'm gonna Google where that is Jackson, just to see if I've Jackson been. County. I mean, Missouri. I'm sure it would be interesting if yeah. I hadn't. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. He the other thing about um more the Mormon cult. I mean, because its origins are in the U.S., it's like, well, of course, the new scripture is buried in a hill in upstate New York, and of course, the location of the Garden of Eden is in Missouri. <laughs> like, just, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like so, it, it again because it's it's this kind of like homebred thing. It's it, there's no like it. It's not really. It, it becomes a bit of an international movement, but like let's yeah, be honest, it's just like, southeast of Kansas City. Okay, well there you go. Yeah, so again, there's there's more conflicts. They decide to build a temple um, in a place called Kirtland, and you know, they have this week long dedication of the temple ceremony, and it's it mirrors the Old Testament temple in many ways. There's a curtain behind which Joseph Smith can go. Um, right, the man curtain, the curtain is a huge problem. Of course, yeah, right. Christ came to bring that intimate relationship, and when he died, the curtain was torn. Mm-hmm. To put the curtain back up is a serious theological fallacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, very serious. I mean, but again, like, Joseph Smith understands some theology, right. obviously, but... He's 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 messy. He's he's clumsy in his work. Oh yeah, in his theological work, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and I I think it's also worth noting that uh, what we're talking about here is not necessarily what Mormonism believes now. No, because Mormonism, even under Joseph Smith, is going to evolve. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if "evolve" is the right word because mm-hmm. sometimes it's just transformed. Right, right, yeah. Right, it just goes from one thing to the next, and and most people look at Mormonism and they're like, oh well, they have the Bible and the Book of Mormon. They mm. have like four books. Yeah, we'll get to the. I have I have some descriptions of them in a minute. Yeah, yeah. So so these these things grow and evolve, and and not. I would say the Seventh Day Adventists, which have already been brought up here, mm. uh, move towards orthodoxy. Mm. over the years, whereas Mormonism continually moves away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, they end up kind of getting kicked out of <laughs> of Missouri. Kind of? They're evicted. They're officially evicted. They're evicted from the state of Missouri. Yeah, the governor says, get out now or, or we'll... Will make you and their cities burned to the ground. Yeah, <laughs> so then they go. So they go to Illinois. And they found a new city, um, and it's at that time um, in 1843 that Joseph Smith pronounces two new famous doctrines that a lot of people mm-hmm. know of when it comes to Mormonism. The dead can be baptized retroactively, so have baptisms for dead people, so they can get into the right kind of heaven, which we'll also get to in a minute. Um, and also, polygamy is not only okay. It's encouraged. Yep. Um, and again, we'll we'll get a little bit more into that. But that's a on the on the issue of the dead. 
that is why today the best records in the world that mm. you can find for your own family mm-hmm. as far as doing a, a tracing back of your ancestry mm-hmm. have connections to the Mormons. Oh, yeah. They have intense records mm-hmm. of historical peoples oh, yeah. for it, the purpose of being able to pray them into heaven. They own Ancestry.com. Yep. That's, a, that's, a, that's owned by the church. But I've used that program, actually, it, yeah. because it is head and shoulders above anything else. Yeah, so I was interested in doing genealogy. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of consider that you tithing and contributing to the Mormon Church. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Don't get at me. Unless Just you're gonna, kidding. yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I feel like that one needs to be explicitly stated. I was kidding. Anyways, um, so the following year, he's actually going. He announces that he's going to run for president. Hmm. And he also lets everyone know that, hey, if you obey God's commands well enough, you can also become gods. Right. Ooh, that's fun. Um, and <laughs> so Prosperity Gospel today teaches, on teaches, that we're, teaches that we're gods, small g gods. Right, right? right. Creflo Dollar loves to say this. We are created mm. in the image of God. If God is a god... And we're the image of God. Mm. We must be little G gods, mm-hmm. right? Doesn't make sense. I can draw a picture of a hamburger. I wouldn't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be the same. Right. It's the image of a burger. Yeah, yeah. It's not a burger. <laughs> uh, but this is, a, this is a different thing entirely in, in that this is not a little G god. This is a big G god. Oh, yeah. 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 I, and I, I'm... I've, I'll get we get we'll get to all the some of the wacky doctrines here. I mean, I'm kind of rhyming them off as they as they show up. But yep. Um, so yeah. So he then orders the dis- ordering the destruction of a newspaper company that had been critical of him, and so for that he's arrested for his crimes. And while he's in prison, a mob breaks in and shoots him, and that's how he dies. Mm-hmm. Um. His death leads to fractions in the community and, you know, what is commonly referred to as the exodus of the Mormons, where they move westward. They splinter off into different groups. The most radical one, the ones that like polygamy the best, uh, because interestingly enough, um, Joseph Smith's wife was not down with polygamy. And after he died, huh. she went She went and joined the, the Mormon sect that did not practice it. Mm-hmm. Up in like Wisconsin or Michigan or something like that, but but Brigham yeah. Young uh, leads the more radical ones westwards to what is now Utah. And when when Utah becomes a state, um, Brigham Young, who had been a follower of Joseph Smith, is actually appointed governor. Yeah, I, I think it's important to note that this is the second time that we have seen the Mormons be so disruptive in their community mm. that neighboring towns. Because they're not setting up, like, in existing cities and just sort of, like, buying a house here and there. They're, they're creating their own place, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? That they're So disruptive that neighboring towns have said, you've got to go. Yeah. In, in a way, and, and, and you could be like, well, you know, there's also Christian persecution and stuff like that. There is no other example in history... You comb through American history. There is no group of Baptists or Quakers mm. that that are like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna build some houses here and a church and that sort of thing." To the mm. and and that get that it becomes so upsetting to the community 
that they would run them out of town mm-hmm. when they're in neighboring towns. Oh yeah. And here you have not they're they're not even satisfied with him being arrested. Like he's going to be arrested, he's going to stand trial, and a mob from the town is like, "No, mm-hmm. we're not doing the trial thing." Yeah, this is going too far. Mm-hmm. Vigilante justice. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. It's that bad. Yeah, and so I mean, from there on, like they're, you know, the the Church of Latter Day Saints or the Mormons. I mean, they 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 grow in number substantially throughout the rest of the eighteen hundreds. I mean, now they're millions strong. I don't know how many mm-hmm. millions. 13 million members, I think, yeah. worldwide. So mm-hmm. not, a, not a small group, that's for sure. Um, and there have been splinterings and, and shifts and, you know, and some, some groups are like, no, 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 we totally don't do the polygamy thing anymore. Wink. <laughs> or like, yeah. or, or the groups that are more, there's, you know, different groups that are like more, um, you know, kind of more rural. That's where you get these kind of these, these off the beaten path communities where this kind of, you know, the sister wife thing is still happening. Um, they've, they've really like, so the polygamy thing is one thing that socially mm-hmm. they've had to kind of back down from. Mm-hmm. I think the other really big one is racism. Yeah. Oh yeah. They've had to really pull back from that. Originally, um, the mark put on Kane mm-hmm. was a dark skin color. Well, and uh, they've backtracked that pretty heavily. It, it actually, so in in it's it's partly that, but it's actually it's it's not directly from Cain though in this case because what? Let me give you a bit of the, let me give you some historical yep. stuff on the Book of Mormon here because this is fun. This is this is uh, this is like Bible fan fiction here. So around the time of the Babylonian exile, an Israelite named Lehi and his family get in a boat and travel to the Americas. Right. So they sail across the Atlantic um, 2,000 years before Christopher Columbus. And uh, from, even though, because the Jews are such, you know, well-known seafarers, mm-hmm. right? They're just known for their navy and their prowess of ships. Technically, you can cross the Atlantic in a canoe. I've seen it done. <laughs> Fair enough. But something tells me that they, they, they didn't manage uh, to do that. But anyways, um, and so from his family emerged two distinct tribes, the Nephites and the Lamanites. Mm-hmm. The Nephites are good, at least at first, but the Lamanites turn from God, and the Lamanites are cursed with the skin or the mark of blackness. Mm-hmm. And Mormons believe that those people are the ancestors of Native Americans. Right. And then, you know, hundreds of years later, after Jesus' resurrection, he travels to the Americas to preach to the good Nephites. In fact, once I, I attended a, a volleyball tournament at a Mormon church in like Guelph or something, and I was just kind of walking around, and I remember looking at this painting, and it's like an Aztec temple with like, you know, all the like parrots and like, you know, like jungle, you know, people. And it, it got like Mayan dress and Aztec or Aztec dress or whatever. And you've got mm-hmm. like all these things. And then just like Jesus, just like chilling on, on, on top of this, this pyramid. Yeah. So the ascension of Jesus before the disciples mm-hmm. is an ascension into heaven. No. He goes up, takes a hard left <laughs> and comes back to the Americas. Right. Right. And preaches there. Yeah. So anyway, so... Jesus' influence on the Nephites results in a time of great peace and harmony, but by the late 300s A.D., allegedly, um, there's a Nephite prophet named Mormon 
who has been recording the stories of his people, mm-hmm. but he's about to die because there's a massive war going on with the Lamanites. He manages to get the golden plates to his son Moroni, who survives the war, one of the few white people who survives the war, <clears throat> because it's a white versus black war in the Book of Mormon, which, I mean, obviously is part of the reason why racism stuck around for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he survives, and he buries those golden plates in western New York in about 421. Mm-hmm. So here's some issues. Stuff that the Book of Mormon talks about existing in America that didn't, right? as far as we can tell, uh, cows, horses, pigs, elephants, barley, wheat, silk, iron, and, and brass, like, uh, things, uh, steel, metal coins, swords, chariots, wheels, compasses, and obviously golden plates inscribed with writing. <laughs> All things that, as far as we can tell from archaeology and from natural studies, you know, animal species and technologies that simply did not exist before the European arrival. Right. And, and this does matter. There yeah. was a, there was a point in time, in fact, at the, at at this point in time, there was a lot of pushback on the Old Testament mm. because it talked about this massive group of people. Right. The Assyrians. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are like, you know what? History has forgotten the Assyrians. It's gone. It, yeah. It's There's no evidence of it mm-hmm. anywhere. And so, come on. Like, how can you trust the Old Testament? Because historical record on this one particular group of people mm-hmm. doesn't exist. Digging deeper, and all of a sudden, people are like, oh, never mind. We found Nineveh. We found it over here. And it's huge. And it's bigger <laughs> even than we thought it would be, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so, so these kinds of things matter. Mm-hmm. It matters that the Bible is historically accurate, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And And God uses those things to fortify faith. That's what all of next year's podcast is going to be about, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Apologetics and how God confirms the promises that he makes, the stories that he's told to us. Mm-hmm. When these things can't be confirmed, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. The other problem is, folks, we're like two generations in from discovering and, and starting to populate the United States. <laughs> two centuries maybe but well uh, but but i'm just saying like it, it's not it's not without reason that the the people living around them have mm. come from europe within two right. to okay. three generations yeah. okay yeah 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 right yeah uh cuz it's not like they all just moved over and right. and populated from there right the reason these things exist is because they were brought over by europe from europe mm-hmm. this at this point it's not historical record we brought cows and pigs and horses and things right, like that right? right it's journalism <laughs> right yeah joseph smith was just sloppy man like he just yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna pull a massive hoax like get your details right hey hey how many followers does he have 13 million a couple hundred years later mm-hmm. okay so he pulls the hoax, <laughs> yeah. But it is a sloppy one, mm-hmm. and and these are these are deeply incriminating details, yeah. And the Mormon Church is not dumb to these, mm-hmm. right? BYU, mm-hmm. Brigham Young University, has entire offices based on 
the archaeology of the Book of Mormon in trying to find these places and groups and prove them to be true. Mm-hmm. So far, nothing. Mm-hmm. There are some apologies and sort of like coincidental things, but nothing that is peer-reviewed mm-hmm. and qualifiable. Yeah, uh, And in fact, not because they're also interested in keeping their accreditation and being recognized as a place of higher learning, there's a lot of sort of separation and apologizing for why these things are even written. Mm. Um, talks of like some of them are more ceremonially mentioned mm. rather than being t- something should be taken literally. So they're like right. liberal Mormons. It, it's liberal theology inside of Mormonism, I guess. Yeah. Okay, fun. Uh, but but the elements that you mentioned not existing, the people groups, yeah, all of these things are massive problems for Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. There's not a genetic um, link between uh, ancient Near Eastern peoples, and, right, and First Nations, right, right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, that which is why they want everyone's DNA because they're trying to find that link. They're trying to make that link, but they can't. Mm-hmm. So the Book of Mormon, I, I'm sure you're going to want to talk about this because you mentioned it before in discussion, but the Book of Mormon is not the only extra-biblical authoritative text that Mormons right. use. It's not even the primary. No, be, well, because of because of the idea, because of this idea of like whatever is newer is better, mm-hmm. right? So the Book of Mormon being the first one written is superseded. Um, there's the Doctrine and Covenants, um, which was published five years after the Book of Mormon. It's a bunch of revelations that were given to Joseph Smith um, and also added to by other people yeah. as well. And so the Doctrine and Covenants is where it's where we get a lot of the wackiest theology. At. Well, not all of it, but we get a, a, a lot of it. Um, and it kind of turns into this like open-ended scriptural canon. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, just like pencil and whatever else we're gonna we're gonna add. And because the Mormon Church has a a prophet who is the head of their church who speaks in a similar way to the Pope ex cathedra, spokes speaks on you know speaks truth for the church with the authority of God. These things you know continue to be added or amended or removed or whatever mm-hmm. or like you said just kind of like weird turns and <laughs> new directions uh over the years the other one is the pearl of great price and you are you i think you're more familiar you might be more familiar with it than i am i don't know yeah i have a i have a copy okay yeah what's that all about so so here's what i would here's what i would say as far as understanding the various texts hmm. the the mormons originally had the Old and New Testament exactly as we have it, mm. right? But it, in, in the New Testament, Jesus says, I have sheep that are not of this flock. Other sheep will hear my voice, mm. right? Talking about the Gentiles outside of the Jewish community. Um, Joseph Smith loves this statement, mm. right? This is all of those Jews that were displaced into the Americas in his theology. Right. Right? And so the Book of Mormon, what is on these templates, is the Bible from the perspective of these people rather than the ancient Near Eastern Jews. Mm. Right? 
in the Book of Mormon, I, I didn't bring mine in here. I should have. I didn't know if we yeah, were going to have time to actually get into texts. In the, in the Book of Mormon, he talks about the Father, Son, and the Spirit being one. Mm. In the Pearl of Great Price, it's anti-Trinitarian. Yeah. yeah. Right? Uh, these, are, these are things they backpedal by saying, well, they're one in... Uh, in the spirit of, of what it is they're trying to do in the same way that everyone who joins the Mormon church is one in the spirit of what it is we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? No. Yeah. Like, that. that's just not how it reads. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I had to—so I needed to get my hands on a Book of Mormon. The only way to do that is to call— the church mm-hmm. and or or to to fill out an online form and request one they'll give it to you for free it's it's fantastic uh, <laughs> shipping is free because what they're going to do is have a local someone come and hand it to you and say can i talk to you about this right so when i did this i had as as everyone will uh two young men 18 years old doing their two years of service yep. Yeah. Uh, because it's a required service mm-hmm. to do your missions work. This is very much a doctrine of works thing. Mm-hmm. And your missions work is is important in that. Uh, these two guys came in, sat down in my church office in Toronto, mm. and they were like, do you care if we talk to you about this book? Absolutely. I I've known a number of Mormons in my life. Great people. Oh yeah, great. I've worked with upstanding some, yeah. members of the community. It's a huge part of their ethos, right? Yeah. Um, you are going to be an upstanding member of the community, without question, mm-hmm. or you're in big trouble, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not here trying to do this whole like, let's play some gotcha mm-hmm. with these these guys, right? That's not what I'm trying to do. Um, I'm just I'm just asking some questions because I'm genuinely curious. At this point, I don't know much about Mormonism, mm. right? So I, I sit down, I'm talking to these guys, and, and we're talking through various doctrines, and I say, what would you consider your primary text? So when you're studying, what is the most important thing to you? Mm-hmm. Do you spend time in the Bible? Do you spend time in the Book of Mormon? Uh, do- visions and, was it Doctrines and Doctrines and Covenants. Doctrines and Covenants, Pearl of Great Price, where do you spend? <clears throat> Both of them said that they don't read any of those. They really spend more time just listening to whatever modern teacher is teaching at the moment. Right? So Mormon podcasts and whatever the sermon is for the week is kind of it for them. Wow. Right? Um, huh. And so I found that really interesting that that what has happened, because we're going to talk about some of the strange theology uh, but you got, you got to know that the way that this keeps perpetuating on is not because people are in love or indoctrinated by the strange theology. It's because a lot of it gets pushed back and swept away. And what they really, really focus on more than anything else is family mm. and community. Mm-hmm. Family and community. Those are things that most people are interested in. Yeah. Uh, keep your family tight and close love each other well, be a good member of the community, mm-hmm. uh, which is historically interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And these are these are the things that they really focus on, and they they kind of land with people, yeah. right? A, a good family man yeah. is going to hear that and be like, "Hey, I'm into that." Sure. And and they don't even on a Sunday morning get into some of these really deeper kind of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of them might even be interesting to Mormons. But the period. So my my first question was, why New York? Why? early to mid 1800s mm. and leaving people for 1800 years in the dark. Right. The response was God only sends his prophets when he knows the people have the heart to hear what he has to say. And so the period between the apostles and Joseph Smith is what they call the great apostasy. Mm where everyone falls into false teachings because they don't want to hear the truth, mm. right? I would argue that apostasy is the wrong word there. Sure, yeah. It would be heresy. Right, right, right. But it's their doctrine. Sure. Whatever. Uh, so my response to them was, that is 100% the opposite of how God uses prophets in yeah. Scripture. yeah. God uses prophets to rebuke the people. Mm-hmm. When they're not listening to him. When their hearts are not open to his movement. I know. Yeah. And, and for, them, for them to make the, that... St- and so I, I just asked them, I just said, hey, you know, when I read the Old Testament, this is how God uses the prophets. He uses them to rebuke. And I, I gave examples mm-hmm. um, of that to which they just said... Okay, do you mind if we ask someone about that and we'll come back to you? I said, sure, sure. And again, mm-hmm. like I, I was telling them, like I'm, I'm not trying to get into gotcha. I just, mm-hmm. I read it differently than you do. Right, right. Like, how do you read, you know, the the message of Isaiah mm-hmm. or Jeremiah? Jeremiah, Ezekiel, right? Yeah. And they were like, don't know, never read it. Of course, right. And so, so. That, to me, sort of opened my eyes that for all of the existence of these books and these doctrines, they're not really read, mm. right? And these poor guys, like, I'm going to say I'm going to say these poor kids because sure. they were both 18, I yeah, asked. they're kids. Yeah. They were both 18. They knowingly sent them into a pastor's office, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I really, more than anything, felt for them. Mm. Um. And, and I spent a lot of time praying for them. I invited them back, mm. told them, we can talk about whatever topic you want to talk about, mm. right? Like, mm-hmm. let's just make this a thing that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, they were never allowed to come back. Um, but but that's that's just what I wanted to lay as, as a sort of a, a foundation that, mm. that the things that we're going to talk about, it's, it's not like you can go up to your Mormon friend at work mm. and be like, do you really believe that Jesus and Satan are brothers? Right. They'd be like, I mean, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. It right? probably depends on... It's not a hard felt... It's not like it's not like the same way that someone might come to you and say, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And you would right. say, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it probably varies too from from community to community, how much that individual teacher is choosing yeah. to lean on whatever document they, they want to lean on, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's Pearl of Great Price or or the Book of Mormon, or, or even, you know, their own translation of the Bible. But that, that can't be... Well, they use the King James primarily. Mm. Okay, I thought I thought Joseph Smith made some 
adjustments. <laughs> <laughs> Thought I read that, but that, yeah. Who knows? So, but but they can't even really have that kind of autonomy mm. because of the the supersession right. of late revelation over early <laughs> statements. Right. So for someone to be like, no, we really emphasize the Book of Mormon Mm -hmm. would become problematic Mm -hmm. because they would say, well, hold on, because the Book of Mormon is corrected Mm -hmm. by latter later revelations. Right. right? I think it's a similar situation, though, to like when you're speaking with Roman Catholics. I mean, obviously not the the error in the Mormon church is far greater, I would say. Uh, Oh, yeah. Like easily, definitely. Um, But a lot of Catholics don't know what the Catholic Church teaches. Agreed. Right, but they need to know what the Catholic Church teaches if you're going to point them to the truth. You're going to get them out of where they're at. And I would say, like, if you know people who are who are in the Latter Day Saints Church, Mormon Church, like, read up, prepare yourself, pray, mm-hmm. and and do what use whatever opportunities the Lord gives you to try and rescue those people from the kingdom of darkness because this is a kingdom of darkness. Right. I, I would say there are there are a number, a good number of genuine Christians in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. despite the misteachings of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I firmly believe that to yeah, be true. I would agree. I don't believe that to be true of the Mormon Church. I would also agree. Yeah. Uh, and, and the primary thing comes back to their concept of God. Yeah. Right? Do you want to give us the rough sketch of their concept of yeah. God and okay, so there's how a, that works? There's a few really, really wonky things that we need to know about their concept of God. Okay, first... I'll start with this one. Mormons believe that that God, the Father, or although you know Yahweh or whatever, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit are totally distinct beings. Mm-hmm. So they work together, but kind of like like a superhero squad, like the Avengers. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're not of the same essence. Right. Right. Um, so that's something called tritheism, which is a later. Yeah. Outcropping because it's sure. not it doesn't exist inside of the Book of Mormon. No, but it is it is a, it is held by official it is an right. official doctrine of the Mormon. These are official doctrines of the Mormon Church now. Interestingly, the Book of Mormon is more explicitly Trinitarian even than the Bible. But yeah, in in awkward yeah, which is really odd. But anyways, but the official line is that they are three distinct beings, three gods. Um, so. Be- <laughs> They believe that God was once a simple human being like mm-hmm. us. God the Father was once a simple human being like us, but he was elevated to a level where he got to become a God, where he got to create his own world. Um, and he, he did a good job yeah, through works. Yeah. So then he got God. And became a God. Yeah. And then he selects Jesus instead of his brother Satan— to be given this special task, this special assignment on earth, and for doing it, Jesus would then get to be fully God, a full God, mm-hmm. not fully God, become, like, get his godhood badge right. on his, you know, celestial sash or whatever. Um, and then what that means for human beings is that we can therefore become gods if we follow him well enough. If we, you know, um, yeah, if we do a good enough job, we can then become gods with our own planet, our own people, whatever. What's interesting is that in some of the Mormon texts, although like the official line from the church is, hey, we don't do the polygamy thing anymore. Some of the the texts say that in order to get the the full godhood rank, 
Mm-hmm. You need the multiple marriages, which is why certain sects of Mormonism are so gung-ho about that still, even though they're not supposed to be. Yeah. So this is this is a crucial thing as well. Scripture calls us to humble ourselves before God mm-hmm. and before Christ, that he would be exalted. Mm-hmm. Mormonism says it's not by grace, it's by works mm-hmm. that you become exalted. Right. That is the principal difference that makes it non-Christian mm-hmm. and self-serving yeah. rather it, than God-serving. It's feigned submission to this God so that you can then be equal with him. Right. Right? It's like you can be like he's no he technically he's no better than you or he didn't start any better than you. Right. And look where he's at. So if you just like toe the line and do what do you know, you know, tip your hat and, and do whatever it is that, that that he's asking of you, then you can be his equal. And I know that there's someone likely listening who says, I have a friend who's a Mormon. I, I work with someone who's a Mormon, I have a neighbor, whatever. And I'm pretty offended that you compared it to Islam. But I would say not even Islam has this. Yeah. Even Islam says, no, there is God. Mm-hmm. One God. One God. And he is above us. Mm-hmm. And we will never obtain his status. And mm-hmm. it, to try, to try is original sin. Mm-hmm. The first lie of Satan is you can obtain what God is trying to keep for himself, mm-hmm. that is transgression, and it is the original sin. And this promotes that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are they awesome people? Sure. Sure. Great members of the community. Um, mm-hmm. This is extraordinarily, w- within the world of monotheism, mm-hmm. this is a extraordinarily problematic it, with it it's not even monotheism no. within the world of the all all worldviews that flow from the judeo-christian sure history of thinking yeah this is extremely problematic yeah, in we, a way that islam would stand with us and go yeah that's too much we have more in common with muslims and mormons mm-hmm. even though they have jesus christ in their name not i'm not saying that that you know i'm, I'm for islam either but honestly like when it comes right down to it, when it comes to worldview, mm-hmm. um, we have we have more in common with Islam than Mormonism. Yeah, and that's that's this is a tough episode for me, mm. right? Like like I, it's just so uncomfortable because at the same time there's so much feigned commonality. Oh yeah, right. The Mormon Tabernacle Choir sings all the same hymns that we sing. Sure, their Christmas productions are mm. incredible. Oh yeah, right. All of these things that that feign this commonality, but behind the curtain mm, that they there, put back up, <laughs> there are there are sharp distinctions that cannot be explained away or overcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, and so in their in their kind of eschatology, they see a threefold division of heaven. So when when Paul refers to he was caught up to the third heaven. That's that's from kind of the the Jewish perspective of of how the universe worked. You had kind of like the air, the the sky, and then the heavens, the right? home of God. Yeah. So that that was kind of the the distinction. So when he said third heavens, he just means not not the sky, but heaven. But they have the 
threefold levels of heaven, the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, and the telestial kingdom. And so the idea is that those really, really good Mormons who get that divine status Mm -hmm. get the celestial kingdom, right? Um, or they get attain godhood, and the good ones will get into the celestial kingdom in various ways. It can become angels, or they could do—it's all over the place. The terrestrial kingdom is for those who at least follow the Bible, more or less, right? The law mm-hmm. of Moses or whatever. So, like, they would say of, of evangelical Christians, like, you know what? If you watch yourself well enough, you'll still get into heaven. I mean, not the same heaven as me, but you'll still get into, like, an okay version of heaven. Right. And then the telestial kingdom is kind of, like, low heaven for just, like, people who are, you know, half-decent human beings. Kind right. of, like, just, you know, relatively moral. And yep. then for those who are bad... You don't even have to be Mormon. Yeah, no, you don't even have to be Mormon. No, no, no. And uh, and then, you know, for those who are particularly bad, their soul goes to, like, a soul prison for a while and gets beat up for a bit until they're good enough to at least go to the telestial. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a universalistic thing right. mixed into it, too. Just You just can't get the God status. Right. Which, you know, is a bummer. Yep. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I again I, I've I've I realize I've been making like laughing at this stuff, but this doctrine is is laughable. This teaching is laughable. And and I think like not that we sh- and, and here's the thing. In conversing with Mormons, I'm not saying shove it in their face and tell them how stupid they are for believing this. That's not that would be wrong. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's okay to know internally, like, this is foolishness. This is wickedness. This mm-hmm. is offensive to God. This is, you know, blasphemy. It's not a denominational difference. No. It's, this, a, it's, an, it's an entirely other thing. Yes. And, and so when you are interacting with Mormon people, just know where it is that they're coming from. Um, and I think it's important for us to familiar, familiarize ourselves with, with the worldviews and the faith systems that are around us. It's going to mm-hmm. be, it's helpful. Right. Um, I would say the same of Islam. Like, learn the basic idea of what Islam is so that you can speak to it with some degree of um, familiarity. Right. Right. And, and, and the reason is it shapes the way that we see our own personal evangelism. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, for instance, I can talk about Martin across at the CRC as a brother in Christ. Mm-hmm. I understand what he believes. I understand where that whole faith system comes from and can see to some degree the trajectory of where it's going uh, because I've studied it, right? It comes from Calvin and has worked its way uh, here. They still hold to many of the same creeds and, and statements of faith. Uh, although we don't agree entirely, we still count each other brothers. Right. The same would be true with Chad mm-hmm. across town at the Pentecostal church, mm-hmm. right? These kinds of relationships exist because we understand each other and right. where we are. There's a temptation to hear that your friend goes to church at the church of Jesus Christ and be like, well, I mean, aren't we all? Right. Right. Of Latter-day Saints... And here, well, that just means, you know, there were the apostles in the original church, and we're just saints carried on from that. Mm-hmm. Not understanding that that concept of latter day 
throws into this mythical concept of a second scripture given to a different group of Jews that were misplaced, and then uh, a period of 1,500 years of, of darkness and apostasy until one man is gifted by God, although resisted by God's messenger for a little <laughs> while, uh, the right to be the one prophet. There's never one prophet. There's never just one. Yeah. Never just one. Even even when Jesus is here, it overlaps with John the Baptist, mm-hmm. right? And then you have 12 apostles. Right. And when you when you talk about the major and the minor prophets, these aren't like sequential order, right? Mm-hmm. The major prophet was the predominant prophet of the time that God was using for Israel, and these others were speaking under him, those kinds of things, right? Mm. It's easy to just say, well, we don't agree, but we're kind of all doing the same thing, even if we're just doing it a little differently. Mm. And that is a cloak that Satan would use to prevent us from sharing the gospel. Yeah. Because we would see brotherhood, and we would call that safe. Yeah. And not see it as rejection of the gospel, mm-hmm. the scriptures of God, mm-hmm. uh, and a distortion of what we know to be true about the person of Christ and what it what it means for a person to be saved and how a person becomes saved, mm-hmm. right? And and so not understanding this is in a sense in in one sense what it is is it's it's Satan protecting these people from the gospel yeah, it and is. keeping them for himself because yeah. because they claim enough likeness mm-hmm. to rock us to sleep on whether or not we should be ministering to them. Yeah, and that's something that we're going to see, I think, even to a greater degree with the groups we're going to talk about next week because they are less out there, mm-hmm. but still out there enough. And I think that's something that we need to be consciously aware of, right? That it's not, it's not only that they have a false sense of security— that that's true of any kind of false worldview or mm-hmm. religion, but that we have a false sense of security for them, right? Right, and and that is you know that's that's a really dangerous place to be in, and we need to be, or they're in a very dangerous place, and we are not being faithful if we're if we're missing those opportunities. Yeah, and if and if this strikes a chord with you, and you say. I didn't realize this, or maybe you did realize this, but you have someone in your life and you've not ministered to them, mm-hmm. and you would like to learn how to do that, reach out to us. There's yeah. some really great resources yeah. out there yeah. on on right questions to ask, because that's really the best way to do it. Yeah. Ask questions. It's nice and comfortable. It gives them the opportunity to present what it is that, that they believe mm-hmm. in a way that, that feels safe and inviting. Mm-hmm. Um not as a manipulation, but because you are being safe and inviting yeah. by offering them questions. And, and and I truly believe that truth finds its way out the more you search it, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And continuing to ask questions is progress towards truth, Yep. right? Um, James White has some really great stuff he does. on how to, to talk with and ask questions of mm-hmm. uh, Mormon friends and family. Because they, they ex- his church exists in that neck of the woods, right? Right, so, yeah. right. So, uh, yeah, and, and and reach out to us. Uh, I've got a little bit of experience in this, but if nothing else, mm-hmm. can pray with you mm-hmm. for these people and point you to uh, other resources as well. For sure, for yeah. sure. All right, anything else you want to add to it? All right, well... 
Thanks for listening. This podcast is a resource of Memorial Baptist Church in Stratford, Ontario, in cooperation with the Gospel Coalition of Canada and is produced by Alex Walker. Thanks for listening. See you next time.